It's time for honest reflection in youth ministry. The present culture is more established than ever. It's so crushing for many a youth pastor. There's a lot to be learned about youth ministry and even more to be shared. Here's to hoping that this helps. Whether you are 19 and have just started or have been serving in ministry for 19 years, we hope that this weekly dose of honesty and humor will help to heal and renew hope for you and yours. Welcome to After 9, the most honest hour in youth ministry. Hello and welcome to After 9. My name is Chad Higgins. And I'm Zach Workin. Zach, how in the world are you? Chad, I'm doing great today. This is vacation week for Zach Workin, which means I'm doing a bunch of house projects. But it's, <laughs> <laughs> I painted stuff. I rearranged the garage. You know, what are you doing this week? I am moving. I am moving. <laughs> today. This week is the big move week. And so the big move. I am setting in an office that is like empty. I've like waited. I knew that we had to do this recording. So literally I have my like internet modem like (laughs) on the floor. It's just like right after this episode, like I unplug it, unpack it and like, so. So you're, so you're literally living the startup dream. You've got like the modem on the floor. The half eaten pizza box is like the thing that's like propping up your laptop. No, this is great. I I see you got your microphone like clipped to the edge of what is precariously some kind of Tupperware tub. I'm just glad I'm not holding it up. Right. Like, yeah, I'm just sitting here waiting, working on like after nine stuff, youth ministry booster, waiting for someone to like email me to call and do like coaching or speaking or something. And so, and then I get to see your beautiful face on Skype. And so it's wonderful. Okay, well, I'm happy to crash your office party. Uh, so, Chad, here at After 9, we want to answer a lot of honest questions. And so you and I got to spend the last couple weeks, there was a whole kind of August season of doing some coaching and clinic stuff in which we had some of our new friends from After 9 submit questions to us, um, some of the very kind of honest questions that we love, that we cherish, that we are uh, think are essential for After 9. And so today, in answering our After 9 question, uh, the questions like, do I make a difference? Is this important? Does youth ministry really matter? Uh, we have, I think, one of the most heartfelt questions I have ever heard. So can I give you the setup, and then maybe you can give us some wisdom today? Set it next, up, man. Next to your half-eaten pizza box. <laughs> so I, Matt, Matt, I have yet to order pizza, so I feel okay. really good about that. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll save it for later. Um, so we're at a clinic a couple weeks ago, Chad, uh, out in rural Oklahoma because we're both – currently living in Oklahoma, and I got to go spend some time with some youth workers, some youth ministry folk, and we had a little question and answer time. We were working on stuff after the presentation, and so one of the questions that we were working through, and this is the one that I think, man, in the middle of all this stuff, this is the heart of youth ministry, is a mom that is serving in kind of a primary function as the volunteer youth minister or ministry leader for her church in which several of her own children are involved. And so the question she posed had nothing to do with branding or programming or curriculum. The question that she posed that still kind of sticks with me as making sure we're doing the right kind of thing is how do I affirm or reaffirm my daughter when she is having doubts about her faith? So the the question came as uh, her daughter was feeling really overwhelmed. Her daughter was feeling like, you know, 
you know, am, am I good enough to be loved by God? You know, does Jesus really care about me? In the midst of wanting to start a Bible study at her school with her friend group, with being a wonderful big sister to her younger siblings, being really active in her church group. And so I just like in my head, I'm like, man, that is such a great question. And yet at the same time, it was such a real and honest sure. question. So that's, what, so that's what I want to ask today to you, Chad, is what, what do we do? How do we encourage both our students as youth ministers? And then how do we encourage our, our other youth workers, if we are youth ministers, when they're faced with some of these tough questions? Because teenagers, more than just the pizza, more than just the ping pong and the, the fun, cool programs, have real questions about their faith and the validity of it, authenticity of it. And it, have real doubt questions that make them question the whole thing. So how can we be of service? How can we be of help? Yeah, man. I think that that is like, you, like you were talking about, that's such a heartfelt question, right? And, and there's so many levels to that question. I mean, one is a mother, but then also this, this lady's taking on this role in a bigger context in our church. I mean, um, uh, imagine, Imagine the behind the scenes things for her, right? Like yeah. her kid is asking these kind of questions. And, you know, for many youth ministers, you may be going home right now asking all these questions that may or may not be about your child. But I, I mean, I could see that, that, that person, they're asking that question probably because at this point now they feel inadequate in even this role that God's called them into, right? Because it's yeah. like, how am I supposed to lead these kids when I feel like my kid you know what I mean? Is struggling in this area of doubt and faith and all those kind of things. And, and and I think, honestly, I think that's exactly the kind of idea or thought that the enemy always wants to put in our head, right? Of yeah. just like poking at our calling or poking at our um, our ability to, to carry out these things. And oftentimes he hits us in some of the most vulnerable places. And so for her to see and, and walk through her, her daughter um, struggling with some of these you know, big questions. One I think is pretty natural, um, specifically with with any middle school age kid, right? Sure. And I don't know exactly the age of. Um, I think uh, she was like freshman, sophomore, yeah, kind but of right mid in middling years, yeah. Sure, but in the in those ages, like if you've done much studying on just like development of the student, most students will walk through a period of time about those about those years that they will question a lot of what they've always taken um, as these foundational beliefs, that they'll walk through this process of, of rediscovering those and really them becoming new for themselves. And so a lot of times when, when I talk with parents, that's always one of the first things that I want to help parents understand is – um, they're not alone in this, and that their kid is not like completely falling off the rail because they're they're walking through some doubt. You know what I mean? And questioning. Yeah. And honestly, man, I think we've we've got to help build and create some culture that I think um, questioning and wrestling with our faith is yeah. done in a much healthier way. That makes well, sense. And you no, know, and that's and that's where I, I kind of I kind of steered her that way, and just in our conversation. So I guess some of these questions like got aired out during the small group, right? Wow. So that's like again, it's that that that, uh, that confluence of roles of I'm your mother, I'm your small group leader, I'm kind of the the ministry leader, and, and here this question gets aired out in a small group, and there's like a piece of me that's like, oh, that is so tough, but also like that is such a rich moment for that small group to watch this kind of play out, and so I think. One, we've got a name that like 
you're right. Like doubts are are natural or normal, and not to normalize that. Oh, you're just doubting; it'll be fine. But saying, "Hey, that's that's a welcome part of the process of kind of growing in faith." And then, secondly, that our small groups are um, safe enough communities, are welcoming enough communities that if you raise your hand as as an honest, sincere question of like. Is this real? I don't know. I wonder. And not just the kid playing devil's advocate, right? Like I feel like there's always that kid that's just like testing because he read some verses in the Old Testament and he's going to throw them around and whatever. But I think there is always a, a, a person that is just ready to share a thing that's really heavy on their heart. And a lot of that comes from that leader creating that space. So I tried to affirm the mom and say that like, you know, if if you are receiving this from your daughter in this small group, that speaks volumes for how healthy your small group is that she could even share it. And then the the advice I gave her or the, the, the hope that I gave her was that you've got to be able to name – not that like you know exactly what she's thinking or you've got it all figured out for her, but you've seen the evidences and the fruitfulness of the things that are true in her life. And so I, I think there is a, a relationality there that whether you're the parent – or the small group leader, or the youth minister, that you can speak truth back to a student who is questioning with the evidences that you've seen. And I think, again, naturalize, normalize, a welcome space, and then also to speak some truth and some faithfulness back to them is really, really important. Yeah. What do What do you feel like, I mean, in, in your years of student ministry, um, what are what are the different big questions that students have come to you, you know what I mean? Wrestling with as far as like doubt and faith, like are there any trends that you see or, or similarities in some of those questions? I feel like for a lot of students, it, it's either in one or two categories and it's either the category, like the big category of like, is any of this true, right? Like the whole project or whatever, like the whole like God is creator, the Bible, Jesus, son of God, salvation, heaven. Like the whole thing is just like, I don't know if I can trust any of it. Or there's like one particular thing. And usually that particular thing is very personal. It's very much a part of their faith story, their narrative, their experience. And it might be really small. Like it may be, uh, about this one particular issue or the way in which they were treated at this church or a different church related to this issue or the way they've seen this thing play out by Christians, quote unquote, in the media. And so whether that's something about music or politics or relationships or whatever, that one thing becomes kind of like the the, the stumbling block or the tripping stone for for everything else. And so either the whole thing's in question or that one base thing becomes the hindrance to anything else being true. No, absolutely. So. Yeah, I, I think that that's good insight. And, and I think that we we probably need to figure out if it is one of those two things, not necessarily with this specific one, but anytime that we have students, right, that are coming to us with these these questions, I, I think we've we've got to be um, astute enough that we're asking the correct questions, yeah. figuring out if if it is coming from a place where a student is finally comfortable enough with you and the other students around you to be able to ask some of these questions, right? Like, you know, can I believe this? Is the Bible true? All of those kind of things, or is it coming from a place of hurt? Right? Like, yeah, they good. have been wounded. Um, and now they're going, why, why would a God do this to me? Yes. Right? Like, cause I think a lot of times that's where those, those two questions are coming from. Like you talked about. Um, and so 
I, I think us being the ones that want to step in and, and help kind of guide this or, or just be an encouragement to them um, that we have to understand where the original question is coming from to be able to, to minister well. And let that shape our answer. And I think that's the part that's – this is where our own kind of um, proclivities kind of play out because there there are some not across the computer screen for me. But we we have youth ministry friends that every doubt, every question a student has can be answered with some kind of textbook criticism answer, right? Like it's like I don't know if I can believe in God because of – and someone like boom slams them with like 30 verses – three commentaries and a pastor's podcast about this or whatever, when really the doubt was more, like you said, a hurt and not an intellectual like loop or gap, right? Like they, they, they weren't doubting out of a lack of knowledge or, um, you know, having a certain kind of answer to their question. They were, they were doubting out, out of a place of hurt and we've got to be able to address their doubt from where it's coming from either head or heart. And I think that, as the pastor, like if you're going to pastor young people, that is a discernment like skill that you need to be practicing on the weekly, on the regular, because that is the area in which you can be truly, truly good for your students. Yeah, dude, I think that's great advice. And honestly, I, I, I think I wish I would have had that advice um, when I was first starting out in ministry, because I look back at probably all the times that I missed that, right, that I traded knowledge for discernment. Right? Okay. And I think that we can be, um, it can, that can become, that can come really easily. Right. Cause we do all this studying, we've read all these books. Right. And right. then the like scenario comes up with a student asks this question and we immediately want to give the answer to it. Right. 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 And, you know, and, and we, we miss the opportunity to help that student discover the correct answer, um, for themselves. Not that there's this like, subjective truth but th- there's this process of receiving it if that makes yeah. sense they didn't and, want the answer they just wanted a conversation with you yeah. they just wanted some of your time <laughs> yeah. yeah they didn't need the the bullet point answers to, you know what right, I mean, right. to this systematic theology that we're, we're walking through they need they need you in some ways right and um <laughs> and and that's that's i think that's hard to get when you're new in ministry right because it's it's super easy to say and it's hard to get. Absolutely, because I think we want to. The easy process in ministry is to kind of put everybody in like one size fits all pants, right? Yeah. You know what I mean, and assume that this answer is always going to work. You know what I mean when this question comes up, and and I think that there's some wisdom in st- sitting back and truly listening and figuring out. Okay, where is the student? Why are they asking this question? Um, because I can even think of my own faith journey. There, there were different times that I struggled with doubt that I needed something different, right? When I was first, uh, when I was a new believer and I had all of these questions and what I needed at that point was knowledge, man. Like I needed books. I needed somebody to just go, no, you know, here's the explanation of this. This is what that looks like. Um, but then there were other times, I mean, I can remember when my, you know, my grandfather passed away or I walked through some difficult things in college and I just needed someone when I'm asking these big questions of why yeah. somebody just to be there and and <laughs> instead of pointing me to Jesus to be that in that moment, be right? Yeah, yeah. That's good. And be the hands and the feet and and so both of those scenarios 
answered the same question, but they were done in two completely different ways. Oh, that's good. Well, we're going to take it to the break, and when we come back, we're going to try to help maybe outline for some of our folks that need the bullet points. <laughs> Instead of just sending you the email with a PowerPoint at the end of the episode, we're going to try to walk through maybe some of the ways that you can begin to be about um, discernment in your walking around as a youth minister, youth worker, small group leader, because it is a practice, and it is very much about our attentiveness. So we'll catch you back after the break. Calling all After 9 listeners. Zach and Chad are incredibly thankful for your patronage and encouragement. We want to ask for your support. You can help make After 9 even better. Please consider contributing monthly to growing After 9's reach and resources by visiting our Patreon page. Go to www.patreon.com slash After 9 to become a supporter. You can also visit www.afternineministry.com support to learn more. We appreciate your ongoing encouragement, prayers, and support. Welcome back to After 9. My name is Chad Higgins. I'm Zach Workin. If you will take just a moment and go to iTunes and do a rating and review. We would love you forever. As weird as it sounds and as lame as it is, there is some weird algorithm that iTunes uses to help our podcast get into the hands of many other people, and rating and review somehow is in that process. It's true. Uh, going on to the iTunes site for After 9 Ministry Podcast, it's super helpful if you review and rate our podcast. Uh, it is a great way to give a little bit of your time in supporting the podcast. You can also go to after9ministry.com slash support to find other ways you can support the podcast. We are so thankful for our community of listeners. Um, you all make it possible for us to do this week in and week out, and we love having it be our gift and our time to share with you talking about the heartfelt questions, the honest questions of youth ministry. Industry, which is why Chad Higgins, I think we need to take a little pause. Yeah. Take a little pause. We talked earlier in this episode about how can we be not insurance, but assurance agents for <laughs> our youth, uh, which is probably got some witty commercials like Farmers and State Farm. We'll work on those for you. And I think that process starts rightly, as you said, with our ability to discern. Uh, which, at least in my own experience, has started with how well I'm attuned to me. And again, we've talked about it before on the podcast, like you have got to have some level of devotional life, spirituality, prayer practices, faithfulness of your own, or else you will have nothing to give to your students. And I think the ability, the capacity for compassion and discernment starts with you. If you don't know your own questions, your own struggles, your own triggers for what really you know frustrates you about faith or the faithful, <laughs> uh, frustrates you about the current state of things in Christianity as an enterprise, or things in your church, or with your pastor, or with your colleagues, or your you know other folks, like you, you need to know your own self well. Know thyself well in your own kind of faith journey and struggle. Um, and then from there, you will be able to listen to other voices 
that are also struggling. Identify in the ways that you connect or that they might connect with someone else you've been listening to. I think the sign of a really, really excellent or seasoned youth ministry leader is the capacity to connect a student who is in struggle, doubt, or hurt with a leader who has gone through the same thing and lived to see the other side. Um, A student that struggles with worth or identity connected with an adult leader that has faced that same struggle That is a discipleship, a mentorship for life. And that comes from being attuned and listening for those conversations that start with your own self. No, man, I think that that's super good, Zach. Because, man, we, I I know for myself, if I'm not spiritually healthy, I'm not concentrating on those kind of things. When I'm faced with a question by someone of, of doubt, um, I'll be very honest. I think my sinful nature, I always will end up bringing it back to myself. Yeah. Right. And I think for student ministers, this is what that looks like. Um, why is this kid doubting over that? I just spent two months talking about, you know what I yeah. mean? Like, did you miss my shirt- Wednesday talk? It was all about that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? And we make this about ourselves, and, and then we're like, well, what am I not doing right? That they're having these right. doubts, you know, I'm not teaching like this. Well, maybe you're doing something really well that, you know what I mean? is causing your students to, to, to question these things and to begin to think about it at a deeper level. And then it stops just being about something you know, that's written in the Bible or that's written in some small group lesson, but it becomes real to their life. And so when we can have those honest conversations with our students, I think then it becomes a very healthy ministry and, and it starts with us, right? Like, I mean, that's just a very basic principle of leadership. It always starts with you. And so I think that that, that has to be true. So, yeah, that's good. Well, one of the things that you shared while we were on break, Chad, that I think is really thoughtful and helpful and super practical is the ways in which we address the group. And so whether you're teaching uh, the large group or leading a small group or whenever it's your time to hold the floor, platform, venue, whatever, you had mentioned that maybe even that time is kind of a beginning moment for how we address those that doubt, those that hurt, those that are in need by the way that we kind of open up and share. And I was wondering if you would share a little bit more about that with our listeners in regards to finding practical ways to be assuring. Well, sure. So I think a lot of what we're talking about in this episode is really creating a culture and atmosphere that allows for students to have questions like this that they can seek and find answers to. And so um, when we when we're communicating to our large group or just communicating with students, the things that we say are extremely powerful, right? And if we're always teaching in these like absolutes, this is how it is, or you know what I mean, it's not real. The, then, the nine the nine point PowerPoint outline. <laughs> yeah, then then yeah, I, I think you're you're always setting you're setting this culture and the standard for your students to never be able to ask these questions because they feel like if they don't already have them answered, then you're disappointed with them or mm. that they've somehow missed it. Right. And so I think we've got to, we've got to be aware and we've got to communicate in such a way, one that we're not making these just blanket assumptions when we communicate, right. That we're not saying things like, well, we all believe, you know, this, um, because I think when we say things like we all believe this, um, for that kid in the room that that is maybe struggling with that specific thing, then then they're automatically kind of 
ostracized. Yeah, but I, yeah. I think maybe a better way is one we we point back to some solidifying truths that you know what I mean that um, Scripture says. Right, we point them in into this place where it goes past this. Okay, this is what I believe, and this is what I want all of you to believe. But it's in this place where, okay, here's what Scripture has to say, and then we're going to begin to wrestle with it through this, right? Yeah. And so then good. there's this, um, there's this standard, there's this foundation that they can begin to build their faith on. That's outside of just this is my youth pastor's opinion. This is what he's always taught me, um, and so I'm supposed to believe this. And if I don't believe this then who am I ever supposed to talk to? Because he's already told me that I should. Um, well, and I think, I think, Chad, that opens up the conversation for not just the way we address the group, but the way that we can be reached or accessed. So not just addressing, but the access. And I think it's so important for us to create margin or blank space or like intentionally idle time for our students to approach us with questions. Right. And so that, that is a shift that is going to happen because you intended it to. You are never going to show up and be like, you know what? I had less time this week. Maybe I'll find out what my students want to talk about. Right. No, you set that time up. You create that time. You build in appointments or chats or coffee times with your students and do it near and around or maybe even in program hours. I think that's one of the things that can be revolutionary for your student ministry is to create a level of access to you and to your leaders that isn't always on script of curriculum or program or large group address. Like if you can find the way to sit on the couch or pull up a stool and have kids talk to you, ask you questions and be near you, I think that can give a really wonderful opportunity and invitation for the ways in which students want to learn and grow. Because I doubt they're going to be like, man, I heard that thing in large group. I wrote down a note. I reminded myself to email him later because they're 14 and they're going to come with questions. They're going to hear questions. So if you have time before and after, whenever you're going to do your program time, there's space made for you to receive and be near your students. That is a gift and that is good good ministry. One of the, one of the things that I had, uh, that I've done that, man, I, I loved, I wish I would have done it more, um, is I, I had, would have my phone up there with me while I spoke. Now this is with my specific group of students. And, um, and I would, at the beginning of my talk, I'd say, Hey, you know, we're going to cover all, you know, this text tonight. Um, here's what I want you to do. Pull out your phone. Um, if at any time during the sermon you have specific questions that you have that what we're talking about, the re- the final 10 to 15 minutes of tonight, I'm just going to answer those questions and we're going to walk through that together. Um, and our, my students really engaged with that because it That's gave awesome. them this it gave them this voice, right? Like, and I never called any students out. I was never like, this is Kevin's stupid question. You know what I mean? Um, right. But it often allowed me to, that even after the night I was able to follow up, right. And, and contact that kid and go, Hey, Hey, um, I know I only got to spend like 30 seconds on your question. I want to make sure that, you know what I mean? You, you got a, a good answer. You feel good about that and all that kind That's of good. stuff. And so th- those are always great uh-huh. ways to, to interact and engage with students that, that I found really helpful. So. No, man, that's really good. And so, again, if, if you're listening and this is fresh for you, if this is different for you, or this is like the heartbeat of what you're feeling, 
youth minister, youth pastor, youth worker, small group leader, hear us when we say that the shift towards being a place that is full of assurance for doubt is by creating the invitation to ask the questions. Like you are not going to stamp out all the doubt by preaching harder and louder and faster and with more bullet points and more emailed PowerPoints. Invite the questions, encourage, support, and address the questions for what they are and where they're coming from. You will be able to do that in your capacity to discern the needs of your students Mm -hmm. and your leaders. Uh, We are so thankful for our continued folks that listen, this community of After 9 Youth Ministers that are willing to ask big and honest questions together. Please email us, contact us, tweet us, and let us know what your After 9 question is. I I think Chad and I both kind of shared this week that in spite of all of the other questions about stuff and staff and structure and programs and this and that, that the heartbeat of youth ministry is helping students find an authentic faith for the rest of their life. And that starts with us being faithful to them in that process. So wherever you're at, wherever you're listening to this, stay encouraged, stay hopeful, and know that the authentic faith that you have found, they will find too. Because who has begun the good work will see it to its completion. I'll leave us with this as just a reminder, um, because I don't want us to miss this opportunity. Um, You know, we've, we've talked a lot about students struggling with doubt and questions and all that kind of stuff. You know, for Zach and I, this, is, this isn't this is just something that we want to do so we can get our voices on iTunes, but we really do care about youth ministry, youth ministers, and, and each of you out there. And so if you're struggling, you're walking through a time, and maybe you're asking some of these really tough questions of why does God have me here? What's he doing? And um, all of maybe those same doubt questions that um, are no longer in a 14-year-old context, but for many of us as adults, just trying to, to walk through faithfully um, and be obedient to God. If that's you and, and you're struggling with some of that, reach out to Zach or myself on Twitter or Facebook or wherever you can find us. I'm running down the road, man, we want to be an encouragement. We want to um, to be there for you, to listen to you. Uh, to be somebody that doesn't have all the the answers, but is willing to listen um, and willing to be obedient and speak the word when we're called to be. So, hey, thank you all for listening to After 9. We hope to see you. conversation on Facebook, Twitter, or visit after9ministry.com to share your story.